to a Hope 103.2 podcast. We saw last time that the kingdom come promised in the Bible is nothing like the pagan notions of a soulish netherworld. Instead, we're told that the ideal of creation established in Genesis 1 and 2 is the very basis of our thoughts about God's promised future. When the Bible writers dare to describe the coming kingdom, they never reach for the imagery of spirits, harps and halos. They grab hold of Genesis 1 and 2 and say two words, new creation. We saw that this is exactly what the Old Testament declares God will do at the end of history. He will create a new heavens and a new earth. It's Genesis all over again. Well, what about the New Testament? Is the Christian vision of the kingdom come the same as that of the Old Testament? Do Genesis 1 and 2 still play the pivotal role in shaping our hope about God's promised future? Well, at least two passages from two different apostles say a very clear yes. It's no accident that the final two chapters of the Bible, Revelation 21 and 22, contain more references to the first two chapters of the Bible, Genesis 1 and 2, than any other part of Scripture. Here's Revelation's vision of the end, or perhaps I should say of the new beginning. Revelation 21, verse 1. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Now the dwelling of God is with men, and he will live with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. He who is seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. It's obvious that this description of the kingdom come deliberately draws on Genesis 1 via Isaiah 65, which we looked at last time. We're told of a new heaven and earth, a new Jerusalem, and in a virtual quotation from Isaiah 65:19, the end of death, mourning, crying, and pain. For many of us, even for some long-term Christians, our picture of the kingdom come derives from an unlikely collaboration between Eastern philosophy and modern Hollywood movies. Buddhism and Hinduism, with their hope of nirvana, believe that the goal of life is to escape physical existence and enter into a bodiless bliss. Well, somehow Hollywood got hold of this idea and now almost always portrays the afterlife as an airy-fairy fourth-dimensional existence with clouds, halos, bright lights and the ever-present harp music. But it should be clear that the Bible says nothing like this. The kingdom come is not an ethereal place of clouds and ghosts. It's a real place of tangible existence. This physical universe is not a poor dress rehearsal for some naked mental reality called heaven. This creation is actually a true foretaste, foresight, foretouch, foresound, and even foresmell of the new creation God has promised. The intermediate state might be heavenly, 
As we saw a couple of nights ago, those who die in Christ's mercy will rest spiritually in the loving presence of God in heaven. But as we also saw, this is a temporary measure until all the dead are raised and evil is overthrown and the creator revives creation. And if there were any doubt remaining about this, another passage from the New Testament makes the same point. God's ultimate intentions for creation are not removal but renewal. In Romans 8, the Apostle Paul reminds us that the painful contradictions we experience in the world will be resolved, not by mankind leaving creation and going to heaven, but by God redeeming the creation itself. Romans 8 verse 18. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. The creation waits in eager expectation for the sons of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay. This is an incredibly important theological statement. It is virtually the opposite of the Greek or Eastern, or Hollywood idea about eternal life and about the kingdom come. Our hope is the liberation of creation, not the liberation from creation. The all-important doctrine of the resurrection of the body has its counterpart in the equally important doctrine of the revival of creation. This new creation is where our bodily resurrection is going to be lived out. You know, in the years after I became a Christian, it always troubled me that I was meant to enjoy the thought of escaping the physical world and entering a spiritual one called heaven. I loved the taste, smell, sight, sound and touch of this world. And yet now I was expected to look forward to losing those five senses and having them replaced by some spiritual sixth sense. I was not terribly excited about it. But then someone challenged me to point to a single passage in the Bible that described God's kingdom as a place of soulish as opposed to bodily existence. Of course, I couldn't. Both Old and New Testaments are clear that God the Creator is not going to abandon His creation. He will renew it. He will resurrect it. Despite the frailties and frustrations we experience this side of Genesis 3, God will make good on the ideal of Genesis 1 and 2. The picture painted there and reiterated in the last two chapters of the Bible provides, as I said earlier, the shape of our future hope. What we look forward to is the complete redemption of the spiritual, social and physical dimensions of existence. Just as within history God breathed new life into the lifeless body of Jesus, so at the end of history he will once again breathe his life-giving spirit into the whole creation. That's what God's kingdom is. And that's a place I can get excited about. A place of tangible beauty and order. A place of life in the fullest sense of the word. A place where the moral and physical contradictions of our current world 
find resolution through an extraordinary act of divine recreation. Hope 103.2. Thanks for listening.